What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to More Wrestling's podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Morrison. I am joined today by NCAA wrestling official and New York native, Matt Sorenchinski. How are things going today, Matt? Things are great, Dylan. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. You know, it's, it's a cold day in northern New York, but other than that, it's, it's a good day. Yeah, I mean, uh, this time of the year, it's the best time of year. We've got Big Tens coming up this weekend and, you know, uh, more wrestling than... Uh, and we deserve probably. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, we haven't had wrestling at all in New York, as far as Northern New York goes anyway, some sections have had it, some have not. So uh, we haven't been able to coach any wrestling, but yeah, being able to watch the college wrestling has been, has been wonderful. Uh, yeah, as you mentioned, you got big tens coming up. I'm sure you'll be there, right? Yep. 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 And then the NCAA is coming up in a few weeks. So you know, I was uh, seeing a follow notification on my More Wrestling's Twitter. I didn't think much of it, but it was when I was watching the Penn State versus Ohio State match, and I made the connection as I saw you. I think you were the side ref in that match. I, I realized what your Twitter name was, um, and then I was like, oh, wait, that's Matt Sorenchinski. So. Yeah, yeah. No, I try to try to fly under the radar, you know, kind of um, be anonymous to some point. You know what I mean? Obviously, being an official sometimes – you know, uh, being in the spotlight's not, not, not more or less, not kind of where we want to be. I think, uh, you know, as an official, we want to be invisible. And so, um, you know, while I, you know, I'm a fan also, I like to follow wrestling, you know, on social media. I try to, I try to stay as anonymous as possible and not, uh, bring attention. Yeah. I mean, not only are you a ref in the NCAA level, but you are a New York state champion for Johnson city and a two-time NCAA all-American for Ithaca college. Before we get into that, though, how did you get introduced into the sport of wrestling? So, uh, so I've got two brothers. Uh, an older brother is actually how I got involved. He's five years older than me. Um, my dad was involved with wrestling. Uh, he was actually a two-time New York State champ and uh, Division One All-American. And uh, at the time, so he was coaching and um, the little kids and my brother was wrestling. And I think I was four years old and following my brother to tournaments and you know, it just came the time, you know, I, I moved from playing under the bleachers to, you know, lacing up the shoes and getting out on the mat and, uh, you know, had a lot of fun doing it starting out. Yeah, you were, um, you mentioned like you were the, I guess you didn't mention on the show yet, but you and your father were the first father-son duo to win state titles. Yep. So my dad won state titles in 1965 and 66. And then, like you said, um, you know, I won in 1991. That's cool. Yeah just trying to think of a few others that have done that. I mean, I think Louis Ruggiero um, would come to mind, you know, him and his son, Louis, and then Cody, yep. they were state champs. And I think there was a pair down in uh, Huntington, uh, the McNeils, I believe they were a father son duo that won state titles as well. So that's kind of cool to see that. Um, yeah, no, for sure. Definitely. So 1991, you win your New York state title uh, for Johnson city. You also won it with a teammate in Paul Lyman, who was, now Gene Mills is assistant coach at Phoenix High School in Section 3. How cool was it to, you know, win a state title back in the 90s when, you know, it was one division. It was pretty darn tough. And not only did you win it, but your teammate won it as well. No, it was awesome. And we were we were a close-knit team. You know, um, Paul transferred in from Watertown High School. His uncle uh, was Pete Capone, who was, who was an assistant coach at the time. Rick Gumble was the head coach. And then Matt Gallagher was another assistant. So, I mean, in 1991, we had three coaches that, uh, I mean, were just out of this world for, for, for a high school program. 
Um, but, you know, in addition to Paul, we also, in 1991, we had two other guys place third at the States as well, Joe Toner and Keith Smith. Um, you know, so we had a, we had a, we had a really solid team that year as well. Yeah. I, I know of the Lyman's and the Capone's, uh, Watertown's like a 35, 40 minute drive South of Governor where I live. So yeah, I know of their name pretty well. Your state title, you finished ahead of Mitch Clark, which he's from my neck of the woods. And then uh, Kerry McCoy, he finished second up at 177 to John Deagle. Um, it's kind of neat to look back because, you know, Kerry McCoy was just a Division One wrestling coach for Maryland. And you, I'm, I'm sure, refed many of his matches. Kind of talks about how small of a world wrestling is. Yeah, no, I, you know, and I see those. I'm good friends with Mitch. You know, we've been, he works, he actually works for, um, my college coach, um, John Murray, uh, selling, uh, commercial fitness equipment up in Ithaca and does really, really well. And, you know, I see him from time to time and we kind of always joked and he was coaching on, he was on the coaching scene for a while as well. And, you know, officiating, I would run into him, you know, sometimes as well. So great guys and Carrie as well. I mean, we got to, I, I remember meeting Carrie the first time because he was a year behind me. And I think I was a sophomore and he might've been a freshman. He started wrestling really late. Um, you know, he didn't come up through the peewees. I think he might've started wrestling as like an eighth grader or a freshman in high school. And I remember his coach brought him to a junior nationals practice. I think we were training in Albany before we went out to that point. I think it was Cedar Rapids, Iowa um, for the junior nationals. And um, so we, we, we always joke about that. Um, you know, he was bigger, but, you know, <laughs> we used to, uh, he, he came a long way, man. He, he, he's an amazing story and, and such a, such an awesome human being, um, to see his growth, you know, to go from where he started that, you know, when I first met him to, you know, two NCAA titles, I think, uh, multiple Olympian, just, just incredible. Yeah. He must've had a pretty darn good practice partner at Longwood in uh Nikki hall too you know, yeah. help become where he was in high school and then on to college. Um, so yeah, talking about the small world, like before, when I kind of asked you if you wanted to come on the show, you know, you talked about you refed Nick Wazdowski's first NCAA match or finals match. You know, you worked with Avery Leonard's grandpa. You had the same high school coach as Troy Nickerson, you know, three people that were on my show. It just, yeah. it shows that, you know, wrestling's kind of a small world. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. And I, you know, I do a lot of driving. I, I'm, I'm in pharmaceutical sales and, and it's picking up now, obviously with, with the pandemic, we've been virtual a lot, but um, I'm a big podcast. I really enjoy listening to them and, and kind of the history. And, you know, those were three that I listened to and, and, and that's where I started following you. And, and it's just what it's just a, you know, a trip back down memory lane, um, especially with Troy. It was kind of interesting. Cause I remember, you know, I kind of, my career kind of mimicked his a little bit Um you know, and, and um, obviously some of the other connections to Avery Leonard working with his dad or his grandfather, Chuck Lally. That was, uh, it was just a, such a small world. Yeah. Um, so you're wrestling at Johnson City, uh, as I mentioned. You were, you won your first uh, stacked conference title, I believe, in eighth grade. Yep. Probably. So you, uh, you went on to win five of them, which you were the first ever five-time stacked champion um, down in section four, which is pretty cool. Um, but you're also a part of the 1986, 87, and then 87, 88 New York State dual meet team titles for uh, Johnson City. Yeah. So back then, um, you know, and it was there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of dual meet tournaments like there is today, where you know it was a clear cut. We had 
think there was a sports writer, New York State Sports Writers Association that kind of voted on it. And, you know, we tried to go across the state as much as we could to wrestle, you know, the top competition to kind of put us in place. But um, I think both those years, the main competition, you know, as far as the number one ranking in the state actually came within section four. Our big rivalry back then was Waverly. And um, man, we used to have some some big time dual meets. And, you know, and I, I can remember one year they sold out the gym. I can remember a line down the hill at Johnson City High School, people waiting to get in. And they actually put people into our auditorium as an overflow and, and hooked up like TVs. And I don't know exactly what that looked like, but um, it was a big deal. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I remember, as you mentioned, the uh, sports writer pools, uh, you know, back, I guess, the early 2000s, you know, for the small school, Governor would be up there. Um, you know, they were top three. I, I know in the large school, the, uh, the result of UE duels, you know, Unanetikot duels, that was kind of determined the, the, the dual meet champions that year, uh, you know, going forward. But yeah, Johnson City, they were, they were hammers back in the day. I mean, they're still a solid program, but that was cool that you were on those teams. So, you know, how did being a part of those teams when you were in eighth and ninth grade help mold you into the successful year and the career you had there? No, I think the tradition, you know, we kind of built the tradition and, and um, you know, those guys, the, the, the seniors, the juniors, you know, they kind of set the foundation for the program moving forward and set the bar. So, I mean, for me, it's just lucky to really be part of, um, you know, to have some older more experienced guys to kind of set the example and learn from. I, I mean, and that's, that's really, you know, probably what I attribute a lot of it to that and, and great coaches, you know, um, along the way. So after uh, high school, you, you win a state title in 91, as I mentioned, uh, yep. you chose to further your academic and your athletic career at Ithaca college, you know, up the road, still in the section four area. Um, you know, what led you to Ithaca? They were national champs back in 89 and 90, I believe your sophomore and junior year while you were still in high school, they, it was an exciting option with them being relatively close to home and, you know, having a successful program. Yeah. So it's an interesting, the, the, the choice to go to Ithaca was kind of a, it wasn't really my first choice um, out of the gate, but I'll, the, the decision, really the coach coach um, you know, he just, it, it, he made every difference. I really just trusted him. And, and, you know, my, my goal going into college was to graduate um, and, and, you know, and, and, and go into the workforce. It wasn't necessarily be a national champion or, um, you know, wrestling oriented because I knew wrestling was going to be over someday and I needed something to fall back on. And, and a lot of guys go into college and they're there a year or two fall out and, 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 you know, don't, don't, don't make it through. And, and so that was kind of a priority for me, but, um, you know, out of high school, I actually went, I, I started at the Air Force Academy prep school. So I, I got um, accepted there and went out there um, for about six weeks, got a little homesick, uh, had a girlfriend back here and um, decided to come back. And, and I'll tell you what was interesting is the coach at Ithaca was like, you know what, if things don't work out there, defer your emissions um, so that, you know, because at the academy, you go out there. I went out there right after I graduated. So I think it was early July. Um, and school at Ithaca started end of August, I think, um, back then. So, uh, you know, I think I was there six weeks, finished up the basic training and then came back and, and was able to transition because I had de deferred my missions into Ithaca and, and was able to start out without even missing a semester or a year. So, um, and, 
you know, the other thing, there was some, they had a really good recruiting class that year. I know Chris Mattiotti, who was another New York state champ in, in 1991, uh, had committed as well. And, and, um, we had a couple of transfers, Juco national champion come in and, and then Steve Farr, who was, a who was one of my best friends, uh, Johnson city, he was transferring from playing football at UPenn and he was a couple of time, you know, placed at the state championship section, section four champions. So, um, you know, there was something really good, you know, about that opportunity moving forward from a wrestling standpoint as well. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, it was kind of enticing to have, you know, them being a, a national title team those two years while you were still in high school. And obviously that, that builds onto their program. Um, you know, people like that success and they want, they want to wrestle there. So as a bomber, you were a three-time conference champion, four-time NCAA qualifier, you finished third your sophomore season and second your junior season, helping the Bombers win the 1994 national team title. You know, what was the experience like being on that team and, you know, on those teams, I guess, for Ithaca, but also being on one of the last teams in the East Coast to win a national title for Division Three? Yeah, it, it was amazing. Um, you know, it was an experience I would, I, I'll never forget. I would never trade it for anything, too. And like you said, it's, it's just amazing that, you know, no other team from the East Coast has won the Division Three National Championship since 1994. So it's been Augsburg or or uh, Wartburg all those years. And um, I, it was, it, I, I got to tell you, it was, and it was dramatic. You know, the way we won, we had, I think, three finalists. And um, I lost Kent Maslin, another Section 4 guy lost in the finals. He was at 150, I was at 158. And then you know, it all came down to our 190 pounder, Steve Farr. He was up against the guy from Wartburg and whoever won that match, um, you know, their team was going to win the national title. And so it was close. I mean, it was only, we're talking a half a point or a point and a half, something enough that the, 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 you know, the final match decided it. So um, I just, what a great experience. I mean, just coming together to, to accomplish a goal like that as a team and um, you put the hard work in over the years and over the season and, and, um, to see it all unfold the way it did and, and everybody contributed, you know, everybody was a part of it. Um, every point scored mattered. And, um, you know, it's just really cool. That's a cool piece of history, the, how it came down to, you know, your guys' last two wrestlers in the tournament, so to speak. And, and, uh, whoever won, you know, won the team title, I believe the late eighties and early nineties, it was, you know, Ithaca, they won three or four, I believe Brockport won one and St. Lawrence won one. But yeah, yeah, other other than that, like you said, it's it's been all Wartburg and Augsburg, which they've had an impressive run in them, their own self. But so in 2003, though, you were inducted into the Ithaca's Hall of Fame, which is a tremendous honor. Uh, then you get in after college, you get into coaching high school. You know, tell us about your journey as a coach. You know, you traveled back to Johnson City to begin your first year of coaching. Yeah, so I did my student teaching at Johnson City. Um, I was I, I actually taught for about seven years. Uh, before getting into sales taught and coached and um, yeah so I was I was actually that's that's how I got into my first coaching gig I was student teaching at the time at Johnson City because what I did is I had put my student teaching off until the fall of what would have been my fifth year just because to student teach and to kind of compete it was uh, you know I just thought you know, let's, let's put it off. And what I ended up doing is kind of taking extra classes to get certified as a teacher. So I was dual certified when I graduated in health. So I was health phys ed and actually driver's ed, um, you know, when I graduated. So moving my student teaching to the fall 
was uh, was what I did. And, you know, that opened up the opportunity for me to coach as well. Um, and uh, so from there, so I student taught there, then I ended up getting a job out at um, Afton Central School District and uh, coached wrestling there. And that's actually where I met up with one of my best friends, Brandon McNaught, who's now the coach at BGAH. I think it is now. I think that's about four. Yeah, Harpersville, right? Yeah. So, and uh, that was a funny story. So I showed up. Um, we both got hired and didn't know it. And we showed up the first day of school. It's a superintendent's like a teacher's conference day prior to the kids coming in and we're sitting in this big auditorium and I kind of look over, he looks over and I'm like, holy cow, we're, you know, so we got hired at the same school at the same time. And we've been friends since probably like 10 years old, eight years old. We met up wrestling and, and um, kind of drifted apart during college. He went to Millersville. I went to Ithaca and, and um, so it was cool. So we got together, we were coaching, um, stayed there for a year and then took on a, an assistant job at Oneonta State. I started to work on my master's and, and um, then got married, uh, ended up moving to Endicott, um, went back to my high school. I was teaching health at Johnson City, and I also got um, a part-time job, part-time assistant at Binghamton University when they were Division II, so they were transitioning from Division II to Division I, um, and then, um, then I was at Johnson City for a year and then a full-time position, you know, as a part of that process for Binghamton moving from division two to division one was adding a full-time assistant coach. So that, that opportunity opened up and I ended up leaving Johnson City and going to BU as a full-time assistant and a full-time, and also I taught a full load of classes as well. That's cool. Uh, talking about Binghamton, I've got, I mean, I've got Borshoff hopefully coming on the show. Things didn't work out a few weeks ago between the two of us uh, schedule wise, but I'm, I'm also been talking to coach Scott green down there at Wyoming Sem. Um, so yeah, Binghamton, it's exciting to see, you know, the progression that they've had and, you know, after they got their program back and uh, you know, the, the success they've had at division one level. Uh, but yeah, that's a, a lot of coaching history that you did there and, and you jumped, yeah. in, you jumped into the uh, officiating. When did you get into that? You know, you're, you're known as the, one of the best officials, I believe, in the country. No, thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, insert Chuck Lally. So Avery's grandfather comes into the picture. Um, so I had a buddy reach out to me in 2002. I was at Binghamton University and, um, and uh, a friend that I graduated, there was a position with actually the company that I'm working with now, Bristol Myers Squibb. And, and um, he reached out to me, a good friend, and said, hey, we've got this opportunity, and, and why don't you take a look at it? And I said, okay. But, you know, I don't really have any sales experience. And uh, he's like, what do you mean you don't have any sales experience? You're, 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 you guys are Division two, going Division one. We were Division one at the time. You're selling, you know, four or five-year commitments to student athletes and their families. That's a capital, you know, that's a capital sale. That's a big investment for, for, for families and for people. And, and uh, he goes, just talk about kind of you know, what that, what, what that story looks like, you know, how you, how you map that out. So, um, you know, ended up going into the interview with Chuck and, and, um, you know, talked about a lot of my experiences, you know, recruiting and, and, and just managing the day to day and in, in kind of how it related to, you know, to, to building relationships and, and, and selling at the end of the day and, and, uh, ended up getting hired. So, uh, so once I moved over into the, uh, pharmaceutical the sales side that 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 opened up you know the the, the opportunity to stay involved in wrestling and, and and officiate so that's kind of 
2002 is kind of where I flipped the switch from coaching and, and, you know, spent a lot. Was that a jump into like, you know, starting off as a ref, I ref for maybe two to three years. Um, but like at the high school level, um, you know, where did you start off, you know, the high school level and then yeah, you, you kind of got your feet wet and then you jumped into the national, you know, college scene. Yeah. So I, I started in college actually, um, Whoa. 1993. I, so when I was at Ithaca, um, you know, to make some money when the season was over in the spring, there was a lot of peewee tournaments, you know, it was a good way to make a hundred, $150 cash at that time. You know, it's a lot of money for a college kid. And, um, I remember, and it's funny, here's a great story. So I don't know if you know Orlando Turco. I don't know if I do. So he, he was a, he's a high, legend high school coach at Ithaca. Um, and, um, so he, uh, he's the one that kind of got me initially started. He would pick me up, take me to the meetings in Elmira, you know, so I could be certified to officiate any level that's including peewees. And that's kind of where I started peewees. And, and, um, so, um, it, it was cool. Cause I remember in Pittsburgh. So before I went out for the finals match, I had the finale with Bo Nickel and, and, um, Colin Moore, it was the last match of the night, um, and I'm getting ready. We sit, you know, we kind of come out there before the match and we sit at the table in preparation for getting, you know, on the next match. And right before I went on, um, like the, the head of the NCAA championships committee, Karen Langston, she taps me on the shoulder and she's like, Hey, there's a guy over there that, that, uh, just wants to say hi. And it was him. So it was kind of a cool moment. You know, here I am at like the pinnacle and, it's, it's him. It's, it's, it's the person that got me started out. Um, you know, that, that was, that was there. So I went over of course, and, you know, gave him a big hug, thanked him for everything and, and, you know, went out on the stage and did what I do. Right. So it was a cool moment for me. Yeah. That's so awesome that he was there to, uh, you know, witness it. And I remember I was actually down, um, there in Pittsburgh, that year to see that happen. So that's just a huge honor, especially to be refing the, the final event, the grand finale and to have, you know, the guy that was, you know, introduced you to refing, you know, be there to witness it. But talking, yeah. about, talking about some of your refing experiences, like you you're making calls in Carver Hawkeye arena. I'm a, I'm an Iowa fan. So, I mean, you make calls there with Tom and Terry brands, you know, foaming at the mouth in your ear, you know, how, how do you compose yourself? Like in those kind of moments where, you're on the biggest stage, you know, as, as a ref and you, you just have, whether it's the fans in Carver Hawkeye or, you know, rec hall, wherever in hostile environments, you're, you're the man, man at the main stage. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 uh, <laughs> what an experience, but I, I don't think it ever gets easy. Um, but I, I think it's just, you know, preparing and preparing and preparing and then being, confident in the preparation you know you get out there I've been there before you know the hardest times is the first couple times you know and but I'm fortunate that you know I I get to do that you know more than once a year so um I I wouldn't say you get used to it but you know as officials we I kind of get into the zone you know I go into this autopilot and you know while I hear things I've had very selective hearing um you know, and, and I know, you know, for them, I know they've got a job to do and I've got a job to do. And, and, um, so, but it, it is, uh, I can't say that I hear a lot of it cause I don't, I, I really don't like, um, and I don't know if that's just evolution as an official over the years. I think early on, I probably heard more. Um, 
but you know as i grow and develop and take on more responsibilities and get in these these high pressure these loud you know situations it's 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 it just i don't hear it i mean that's the honest truth yeah, that makes sense i mean you know the the high level wrestlers they they're only focused on what they're doing and maybe what their coaches are saying then you have you know the the coaches that are really focused on their wrestling like they don't they they drown out the background noise and then obviously the officials are the same way but uh it's just an interesting to hear your aspect or your point of view from it but has there any been any moments like you know you're raising a guy's hand and you just know like it's a big moment you know in the arena it's buzzing i think maybe it was jaden cox when he won his national title i believe it was in st louis over Brett far and you know missouri obviously is a missouri guy uh, i was there that year as well and it just it blew up everybody was on their feet you know the whole place was buzzing and it was loud you know did you feel those moments as a ref being on that stage? Um, no, probably maybe more after, maybe not in the moment. I mean, it's, it's, you know, for me, it's trying, like I said, it's trying to be invisible. It's trying to make sure that the athletes are the center of attention, you know, that they get their time because it's their time, you know, and that's Jaden Cox, perfect example, three-time national champ in Missouri. Um, that was an unbelievable moment for him. And, and, you know, to be able to share that, you know, with, with a lot of his fans, because it's obviously in St. Louis, um, you know, it's pretty cool. Uh, but in the moment, no, I probably didn't look at it, but I've seen, you know, photos and some videos after. It's like, wow, that's a pretty cool moment. Yeah, I, uh, I you know, I, I was going through pictures the other day, um, and, and I saw that, obviously, you were roughing it. And then I saw the Bo Jordan-Colin Moore match, and looking back, I saw, you know, you, you were roughing Yanni when he took out Dean Heil at Nationals, when Yanni went on to win that national title that year. Um no. But, but talking about, you know, you're refing, you're on the rules committee. I mean, I, I guess it helps that as a ref, you see some of the biggest duels, like you're, you're going to be at some of the biggest duels in tournament and knowing the rules is easier to deal with. Like, like you said, you got to trust yourself, trust the work that you put in, you know, how is that being on the rules committee and in, in that part of the job? Yeah. So I think being on the rules committee has really helped me to better know and understand the rules and, you know what I've I think the biggest thing that I've taken away is the why behind some of these rules and that's kind of what I try to communicate with other officials is sometimes when we understand the why these were implemented um, it's easier we fight them less you know and it's sometimes it's easier to implement and that's kind of really why I'm on the the why they asked that why they allow me to be on the, the rules committee or an active representative so I don't vote per se I'm more or less a consultant so you know, like this year is a rules in, in April, we'll meet as a rules committee and it's a rules change year. So any rules changes that go through a lot of times what the committee will do, we'll ask myself or Tim, Tim Shields, who's also on the committee. He's the national coordinator officials for the NCA, um, you know, kind of our perspective and our thoughts. And a, a lot of times it's, it's, you know, how can, can we effectively and consistently implement these rules you know, from an official standpoint, you know, what's the likelihood, how long is it going to take before this becomes, there's, there becomes some consistency, um, you know, so th those are the types of things, um, you know, that, that, that I, that I help to contribute to, but um, it's an awesome experience. I mean, it's, I've grown so much and, and learned, you know, from, from being on it and, and just uh, coaches are amazing. They love the sport. The last, you know, I've been on, I think last five or six years and I think we've had like, 30 or 40 rule changes over that time period and just really good rule changes I think that have moved the sport in a positive direction and I don't think wrestling especially college wrestling has been 
at a better point ever. Um, there's just a lot of action. It's, it's, it's getting better. Is it perfect? Nope. Do we still have things to improve on? Yeah. But I just, the last, the last two or three rule cycles have, I think have really changed the sport for, for the positive. I agree. I've noticed it as well. It's nice to see that. I think you refed, um, you know, you're, you're mainly a ref in college, but I believe you refed Ironman a few years ago. Um, yep. So how could like high school wrestling be better if they maybe added college out of bounds rules or adapted more to the, how college stalling is called, you know, in high school? Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's the out of bounds rule in particular. Um, it's painful to watch high school, just all the restarts, you know, without a bounds in, and I think that's, I don't, you know, I know there's some issues around safety and mat sizes and, um, you know, that schools are in implementing those rules is a concern. I, I, I think in college, it's, it, it, it makes it more safe. I think guys tend to stay on the mat more um, versus, you know, putting themselves out off the mat in sort of potentially dangerous situations that, um, but no, I, I think, you know, hopefully we can move closer and closer you know, and I, I think high school is looking at college, um, you know, and, and, and I know in, in the last couple of years, they have kind of taken some steps to change the rules towards more towards college. I think with the out of bounds stalling, we're getting a little bit more closer. So, um, yeah, I mean. Uh, Frank Papalizio, he's hosting the Journeyman New York State Tournament down in Pennsylvania next month. And uh, he, he announced that they're doing college out of bounds rules. So it's good to see that because it helps some of these high school seniors, you know, adjust to what they're going to see in the college scene. You know, same with college wrestling. You know, I watched EIWAs and my co-host Zach and I were talking about some of the, our guys had a bad time on bottom because maybe, maybe they got called for stalling as well. And they just can't get up because they're not used to it in New York, maybe the way calling stalling is, but, one of the other things I wanted to say was as a ref, like, do you watch film? Obviously, you know, you're one of the, the bigger refs and the more successful refs. Do you find yourself like looking for better ways to find yourself in position? Yeah, no, I mean, it's a big part. And, and I think that's, that's helped officials in the last, you know, 10 years, the technology, you know, with flow wrestling and some of the other outlets, there's just, you know, big 10 network, just about everything's on TV now. And, and, Big 12, I think, is covering a lot of their stuff. ESPN Plus, uh, you know, I have a, a subscription to all that. So, I mean, it's just, I'm overwhelmed. I, like, I, I can't watch all the wrestling that I have in my, in my you know, DVR saved. Um, I just, I, I can't. And, and that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. But I do watch a lot of film. We go over, we, we've, as officials, we've really progressed in using video as a as a as a teaching tool as a learning tool um but uh it's a big part it is a definitely a big part of 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 how i continue to grow and develop as an official nice that's good to hear i i know more you know obviously the the coaches watch film the wrestlers watch film and i figured you know some of the best uh refs would would watch film yep. just to better themselves as well uh, one of the last things i want to leave you with and it's kind of a, a good question for upcoming refs just because officials are kind of uh they're needed in the, in the sport of wrestling maybe not a lot of people want to be an official but with there being a lack of wrestling officials especially at the high school level what is a piece of advice that you would give to a beginner official um as well as you know what about the ones that don't want to do it because officials might be underappreciated at times 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the purpose, man. You know, it's it's why do I do this? It's not about me. It's about it's it's about the sport. It's about the wrestlers. You know, I came up through, and um, you know, we work hard. I know how hard these guys work, and 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 I just think about you know how important it is for these guys to get a fair shake, you know, and get the best possible officiating they can. And that's kind of my purpose out there. It's not about like I, I don't. It's not about you know doing. X amount of big 10 championships or national championships. It's, it's really just going out there, whatever match I'm in and, and, and doing the best I can. And I think that's something for younger guys. It's, it's listen with anything. It's tough. It's tough starting out. And, um, but if you stay focused on the why, you know, why are you doing this? And, um, you know, if your why is solid in, 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 in contributing and giving back to the sport, um, you know, you'll be able to move through some of those low spots, you know, some of those tough spots. Um, but, you know, the other thing that I would say to those guys is, is, you know, reach out, get connected. Um, there's a lot of experienced officials that want to help newer, uh, younger guys out there. And, and, and that's important. It is very important to develop a network, develop a support system, because it's a lot easier to do this you know, working with people and we have blind spots, you know, we can't, you know, while we try to self-evaluate, it's, 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 we always miss stuff. There's things that we can't see. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's just, we go further together and, and that, 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 that's a big thing that I've preached a lot today. And, and, um, you know, the last thing a lot that I share with people, it's, it's, you know, get it right. You know, it's all about getting it right. It's not about being right. And I think having that right perspective, um, it helps, um, because, you know, I think, especially my experience is officials tend to beat the heck out of themselves. And, and, you know, we, we overanalyze, we overthink and, and, you know, the reality in every situation is we're human and we're going to make mistakes and making mistakes is not the mistake. You know, I talk about this almost on a daily basis with other officials, you know, the mistake is not using all the tools that we have to get it right. You know, and that's what's so valuable today with video. We go back and we watch this video, and, you know, we'll see mistakes, but we don't look at those mistakes as mistakes. We look about, well, okay, we're, we're human. We're going to make mistakes. You know what I mean? We're not computers. We're not robots. So when we do make a mistake, what can we do to get it right? And, um, and, and I'll tell you, if you take that approach, and if you can take that approach from starting out, it's going to be a much more positive experience because, you know, you're going to make mistakes. Right. I mean, that's just that's the nature of the game. And um, I don't know. And, and so, you know, just focus on getting it right. And, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate at the level that I'm at because I have most of the times I have a second official. I have video review. Um, but I think about, you know, some of these guys at the, you know, at the high school level where they don't have those resources, but they do have second officials. So, you know, my thing to them is, hey, talk with each other. You know, you guys are out there together you know, work on getting it right. You know, the mistake over and over is not the mistake. The mistake is not using all the resources you have to get it right. And um, so that's that's probably what I would say in a nutshell. That's so that's well said. You know, you hit the nail on the head. Um, it's great to see those refs that if there is a call change, you know, they don't they don't take it, um, you know, personal. They just, they, they learn from it. They, if it's, uh, if they made a mistake, they're going to make that change in the match. And, uh, you know, it speaks volumes to those refs out there. And uh, the words about beginner refs and high school refs that 
have to rely on their second, uh, their backup ref, you know, their side ref. That's, that speaks a lot, you know, hopefully they, they b- bounce ideas off each other during the match and, uh, you know, make the right call. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah so, yep. uh, I appreciate you joining me today. Good luck at the Big Tens and the national tournament. I'll be be sure to watch it from my couch, unfortunately, this year. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I thanks appreciate. again. Thanks for having me. All right, take care.